everyone, welcome back to Sleezoids, a podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare, from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films that we can get our hands on, and invite you to tag along and help us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature, Grindhouse style, where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, even franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on our Patreon, we decide on the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover here. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes a month when we switch from bi-monthly to weekly shows this coming March. So for the full experience and the warm feeling inside of supporting us, we highly recommend becoming a fellow Sleezoid over at patreon.com slash podcast. Last week on the show, we discussed Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes and Jack Hill's Spider Baby, two exploitation filmmakers taking a gander into the always renowned inbred cannibal genre. <laughs> yep. That was uh, so popular. Yep, and it was our first episode. Uh, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I felt I felt good about it for sure. The response to the show has been uh, positive, from what I've seen. Yeah. Uh, again, if you if even you have inbred cannibals being the topic, so yes, we got we got some fellow sickos. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, there were a couple people out there who were saying, "Finally, I have a show in my life that <laughs> deals with things that my friends and family scorn me for liking." Yeah, so exactly, uh, th- th- you're not alone. This in the show world. is for you, man. That's, That's why right. we did this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, I guess we should probably give the, the special shout-out to, to Kai. Yes, the first, the first on-air shout-out goes to Kai. And we might butcher this, but the last name is P- Perignon. Per- Perignon? Sorry, bro. Yeah, we, don't, we, we <laughs> couldn't figure that one out. We tried discussing before the show. We thought we'd just butcher it anyway, yeah, so but, sorry. But we thank you very much. Very, uh, very much. Yeah, first honorary Sleezoid. Um, very glad to have you with the show. And uh, we hope we have some other people joining you very soon in supporting the show as we continue on. Again, last week's show talked inbred cannibals, so we thought, what better subject to move on to than this week, Violent Men (laughs) of the Law, which is not at all related, which is the joke. (laughs) Um, As always, I'm your host, Josh Lewis, uh, and with me... Uh, Jamie Miller. Welcome back. Um... We don't really have any any. The, this section is going to include uh, some some news from last week, but we don't have a lot of news from last week because last week was the first week. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it'll be a, a slow burn, but we'll we'll get there. Anyway, for all of you guys listening, uh, thanks so much for tagging along for round two. We hope that you'll be here for for many weeks to come. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I was just for a few minutes. I was going to ask you how you felt about the commuter because you saw that today. Yes, I just got back from the commuter, which I saw uh, this morning. 
which I thought was very good. I'm a huge fan of Jomé Collette Sarah. For those of you who follow on Twitter and Letterboxd, I'm sure you all know that. I was he a did big, The Shallows, right? He did The Shallows. He did Nonstop. He did uh, Orphan and some other Liam Neeson movies like Run All Night and Unknown. Which are kind of like, because I know I, I myself, I'm guilty of it. I, I, I've been kind of just shying away from these films because of, I, I just thought of them as trash. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and, and in a sense, I guess they are, but but it's it's on purpose in, in, in a way. Yeah, they're, they're kind of just mid-budget schlock. He, yeah. makes, he takes these kind of like trashy conventional scripts um, and just directs the living hell out of them to the <laughs> point where you get something that's super interesting, where you get something like The Shallows, which has little to no dialogue, but is so viscerally impactful uh, in terms of the filmmaking. And The Commuter is is closer to stuff that he's done before, like nonstop and unknown, both because it also stars Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, and also because it's kind of got like a bit of a Hitchcockian conspiracy thriller element going for it. Okay. Where someone is put a normal man in a corner and put him into an exceptional circumstance and kind of watch how he, how he escapes that. And can he get out of it with, with dignity and lives saved, hopefully. Um, but anyway, the compu- the commuter, very, very good stuff from, from Jomé, uh, very working class centered, uh, and very satisfying in terms of some of the, the action filmmaking on display. So, yeah, I just thought it'd be something interesting to talk about briefly because, uh, I just saw the letterboxed reviews and they weren't exactly, uh, good. So I was just like, I would like, no. I was wondering, they, do they, you think it's, it's that stigma of like, it's like, they just think of them kind of as like what I was doing with it was, it's just trash, you know, I'm not going to bother with it. I think so. And I, then they almost have that, that, that they go into the theater thinking that as well. Yeah. Well, and I think when also when they actually see the movie on display, what he's doing a lot of the time, I think people who aren't as literate in, in filmmaking and visual information won't really make much of a distinction between what he's making and what a conventional movie would be doing with the same script. Right. Because he kind of leans into the cliches and he kind of does these, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything particularly show-off-y with the character or even with the filmmaking itself. It's just very tightly constructed uh, and very effective. And I think, unfortunately, that's just kind of underrated at this point in time. Someone who's just a good craftsman doing a basic good job which you know doesn't seem like it should be praiseworthy but in this world of <laughs> no, yeah. endless marvel movies and endless uh garbage blockbusters hitting us every single week yeah it's uh, cool it, to see it, a genre film it's like cool this. to see a guy who just cares yeah. who uses cool techniques and uses it in service of telling story and character and uh yeah there were a couple really cool techniques that he used in this one one that was- i'll mention and that actually uh the film critic of the av club ignati pointed out on twitter was it used he used a brand new technique that hasn't been used in feature film called the cinefade oh, okay which is actually an effect where you can adjust the depth of field manually in the shot while the shot is actually happening which just means that that's like the focus on someone's face or the yeah. focus in the in the background um a lot of the time to switch the depth of field you're going to lose a lot of your lighting mm-hmm. so you can't do it you can't switch your depth of field just with the camera running because it right. would screw up all your lighting and all the things that you've set up so they've found this sort of like mechanical motorized filter that changes your exposure as you're do- changing your depth of field. That, so so they, they just put it in 
uh, like a preset and then yeah, like, and, and, as and the he, scene goes it, yeah and he uses it as an effect where Liam Neeson just learns some information while he's sitting there and when he learns that information I don't know if you've ever seen that Jaws effect where it, when he realizes that someone's yelling like shark or something and that mm-hmm. camera goes woo oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the one so where he's on the beach it's, yeah, yeah so yeah. It's, it's a similar effect but you don't have to do the huge dolly and zoom and all of okay. that it's it just all of a sudden all of his background just starts blurring away but his face is perfectly in focus okay and either way like the, again and it's used as a moment where he is being fed some information about maybe losing his job and every the whole world just disappears on him because he's so heartbroken mm-hmm. and like that you know again it's a very simple technique a very simple device to tell a very simple thing that's happening to this character subjectively. Okay. And people aren't doing this shit in movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, would, you, would you say that there's any... Because you, you said that the Liam Neeson's character was a cop prior to this, before he mm-hmm. just became a... What, what is he doing in the movie? Was he just construction he's just, Yeah, he's an insurance broker, I believe. Okay. Um, is it, does, did you find any themes that maybe we're kind of connected within Dirty Harry at all? Was there, was there some dirty cop stuff in there that they There was. There, I, I t- actually, discussing both films today, we'll, we'll find out that uh, there is a lot of police corruption happening okay. in the movie that he's doing, and there's a big part of the drama is that the police force that he used to work for and he doesn't anymore seems to have been maybe getting bribes and maybe being okay. part of this. Because this... it seems like it's a big part of these genre films, which is the, the corrupt cop. You know, the corrupt police force in general. Maybe not necessarily the cop individual, although these two movies we're about to talk about definitely have moments of that. Yeah. Um, This one was definitely about very aware of the fact that he's a working class person working for these institutions that do not give a shit about him. And he gets put into this zone where he's being offered money to do something terrible to another person. Okay. And... uh, it, there's definitely a connection between the people who have the money, the people who want to see this terrible thing done, and the police who are either going to stand by and let it happen or who are actively involved in it as well. And yeah, it's a perfect segue into <laughs> movies that both feature uh, corrupt police departments or at least a corrupt justice system in an overarching sense. Yeah, uh, We're going to be talking about Don Siegel's Dirty Harry, starring uh, Clint Eastwood in one of his most iconic roles. Oh, yeah. uh, he went on to make, God, five sequels yeah, or some shit out of this. five. I've downloaded the collection. Oh, I the whole collection. Uh, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited. Because they actually have, uh, I mean, once again, average rating, who, who knows, but they're good. They're, apparently people really like people, them, so people I'm excited about that. Yeah, I've, I've heard some interesting things about the direction some of them take. I've heard specifically that Magnum Force has him take <laughs> That's on... That's the se- sequel. I yeah, think, Magnum yeah. Force apparently has him take on cor- other corrupt cops, is oh, the idea cool. that that's how they get him back, because obviously cool. when we talk Dirty Harry, we find out that he leaves the police. Right, right. So the thing that they do to get him back is be like, come take on the police themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, pairing with, uh, with Dirty Harry, one of the more iconic iconic um crime police corruption films uh is john irvin's raw deal uh which i had never seen previously uh starring arnold schwarzenegger yep arnie yeah we got him and oh boy it's a performance are are we gonna be talking about that one (laughs) i think he might have forgot that he's not playing the terminator yeah yeah (laughs) Oh, oh either great. way, it's great. 
I would recommend staying for that conversation yes. after we get done with Dirty Harry here because maybe uh, it'll even if you haven't seen it, might I have some questions to. anyway yeah. about Raw Deal uh, to pose to you. Uh, so yeah, those are the two movies we're going to be ta- tackling today. What do you say? Just dive in. I think it's time for Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Damn it all, Harry. That's the mayor you're talking to. Clint Eastwood. Detective Harry Callahan. You don't assign him. Stop! To murder cases. You just turn him loose. Now what the hell is he doing up there? All right, so we're talking Dirty Harry. Starring Clint oh, yeah. Eastwood. For those of you unaware, Dirty Harry uh, is about a detective named Harry Callahan. Good name, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, damn good name. Who is kind of like a take-no-prisoners-law man. He just kind of, I don't know, he wants to protect people, but he kind of is like, I will do that in any means necessary. Yeah. Don't g- give a shit about the law. Don't give a shit about anything. Don't he give hates- a shit whether you like me or not. Yeah. I'm just going to do the right thing he or the right thing. He hates everyone equally, as he says, yes. basically. <laughs> Yeah, they list all kinds of slurs and all kinds of uh, <laughs> yep. of all different types of people that he is not a fan of, and it's basically all of them. Uh, but that doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But that means he's still going to protect him anyway. It's yeah. just you know that's his own methods of doing it. Uh, but anyway, the first film in the eventual Dirty Harry franchise uh, sees him up against a particularly vicious villain by the name of Scorpio who was modeled after the Zodiac Killer in San Francisco, oh, also okay. terrorizing San Francisco. Is that, is it, what, what was the, the, is it just the way that he would kill people? What was the connection? No, it was, well, I mean, I think it was particularly the ruthlessness, but it was mm. mostly the, uh, the messages that he sent to the oh, police right, and to the course, things where he was like, hello, Mr. Police, I am going to kidnap a children on a bus or yeah. a thing, which and is, what's, and what's kind of funny is that instead of just Zodiac, like the, all of them, he's, he, he went with a specific one, you know what I mean? He, he yes. Went, <laughs> he was more specific with, than, uh. Than the than the Zodiac was, <laughs> yes, and yeah, his name is Scorpio, yeah. which is you know just like yeah. I wonder if it was like when did the Zodiac happen? Uh, I want to say it was the the mid to late sixties. So this came out in seventy one, so it was pretty like ripped okay. from the headlines kind of stuff at the time. Okay, that's cool. I didn't uh, know. But yeah, so Dirty Harry's kind of like living his his day to day cop life. We kind of spend the first little bit hanging out with him and he's just kind of going to his usual diner, eating his usual hot dog. Yep. Uh, but he kind of keeps an eye on the car that's like running just uh, across the Been street. Been there for a couple weeks, he says. Yeah. Uh, Sus- and suspicious. Yeah, so he kind of thinks that there's some sort of robbery or something happening and uh, lo and behold, there was something. The The alarm goes, He, I think he, he asked the diner guy to... Uh, to call the police so that they can deal with it. Uh, and then the alarm goes off and he's like, well, shit, now, <laughs> yeah. I, now I can't enjoy my hot dog. Now I have to go deal with Gotta this. Gotta go gun down some people. Yeah. You know? uh, and either way, it's an incredible... Take those bad guys. It's an incredible sequence when he walks across the street there and he just starts shooting these guys up. And it shows like his his how he feels i think he's just just got pure power like he's so confident while he walks his gun is massive yeah yeah yeah, oh yeah yeah and (laughs) and he's just so confident he walks in the middle of the street like he's done this a thousand times like these guys are armed with like shotguns and assault rifles oh and he's outnumbered i got one handgun i that's all i need my 45 caliber or whatever it is oh yeah he's got great hair he's got a great jacket (laughs) on uh 
he's he's kind of I guess in this particular moment he's supposed to be the like the American man yeah the one who oh yeah who doesn't care about the liberal pussy laws and who's yeah. just gonna do the job that's like his that that that's what he's supposed to be at this moment in he's, time he's fighting fire with and fire, Clint Eastwood walks into the room swaggering it up and he, yeah oh yeah he's strutting he's everything every time he sits down with a, an fbi director of any kind the first thing he says is some smart ass like swipe to the guy yeah there's there's no there's not even a hint of respect when he walks into these rooms and i think it's kind of because he's in the thick of it and he just sees these guys as talking heads you know like just yeah the, well just, they're, they're you just go do all my dirty yeah. work and and then deal with it within he your sees own them life. as people just in his way of right. actually doing his job exactly and i especially think he sees that within the mayor like yes like very much so well because yeah everyone kind of, they i mean they call him dirty harry and it, it seems because they everyone kind of knows him as the guy who is willing to bend the rules right. and is willing to do the, you know, do the jobs that other people uh, would refuse to do out of a moral conscience. Yeah. <laughs> generally. I think that's interesting too. How they kind of, they give you the, like how they, how they, they reference his name quite a few times where they're like, that's why they call him dirty Harry. But each time they do it, it's for a different reason. And yeah, it kind and of it, evolves as the film goes. Cause then you find out that he's actually, first you think it's just cause he's got a rough demeanor and he's, you know, he's using these racial slurs and stuff and, and whatever. Um, but then it kind of turns into a thing like like with the suicide, uh, the guy that's going to jump. Yeah. And then he goes and and no one else wants to go talk him down. So Harry's like, all right, well, I'll go do the dirty work then. And does it in the dirtiest way, too. Uh, um, funny, funny note about that scene, by the way. Uh, Eastwood actually directed that scene. Really? Yeah, because cool. I, I guess apparently... Uh, they they couldn't figure out the logistics to get the director and the camera and everybody up on the roof like with mm. the guy so they were just like well Eastwood's up there uh, so he can just direct himself and oh. the the other actor while he's was up there was that one of his first directing moments uh, probably yeah he went on I know he went on to direct one of the Dirty it, it, Harry movies well in and in the seventies and eighties he went on to do like other westerns that he directed himself like High Plains Drifter and Pale right. Rider and right. uh, other things like that so it would have been around the time he was trying to get into directing so he but he was also friends with Don Siegel, the director, and okay. apparently he he only said that he would do this movie if they let Don Siegel direct it. Okay, because he's done a few movies with Don Siegel, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, in the same year, I believe he did The Beguiled with him. Oh, okay. Uh, and then before that, they did something else together. I can't remember exactly. Which what you're repping the shirt of right now? Oh yeah, I haven't seen The that Beguiled. Yet. Is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so he 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 shoots these these robbers down, right? So he shoots these robbers down, and then. He has the iconic line oh, yeah. of that everyone always misquotes because everybody always quotes it as the uh, "Do you feel lucky?" Punk mm-hmm. is how people quote it, but it's like you you have to ask yourself one question: "Do I feel lucky?" And yeah. then he goes, "Well, do you, punk?" Yeah. Uh, but because it's just such a mass noted thing, everyone it's kind of broken telephone with it the whole way. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think, I, and I might be stretching a bit, but I feel like a bit of that comes from, uh, if you remember The Mask with Jim Carrey, yeah. he quotes it uh, as like a direct Clint, Clint Eastwood line, and oh, yeah. he says it the wrong way like that. Oh, does And it, it almost seems like it might have just gotten to the consciousness of people in that more way. More people have seen The Mask than Dirty Like the Harry parody of it just <laughs> stuck with them more, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, so it, that, that, that was interesting to me. And yeah, uh, it's a great little monologue that he gets a little it's obviously a great little piece of writing as well but the way that eastwood delivers it specifically is i think what really seals the deal on it yeah um when he talks about is like you know in the heat of the moment 
I lost track of how many bullets uh, that I fired. So was it five or six? Do you right. do you know? And here's here's my, I think he knows. If that's that's what just you're going what I was with. gonna say. That yeah. that's my reading. Is there's no way that he doesn't know? Because because he gives a little wink too when he when he he the, loves the, the, the violence too much to not keep track of the bullets. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree uh, completely. And he also like when he. After he, he shoots says it so the confidently gun, too, so confidently, and when he shoots the gun and it cl- just does the click and the and the the guy's like, oh thank God, like, yeah, and he, he's he like, gives oh, him what a little asshole. like smirk, yeah. like yeah. a little like, like he knew I knew you little off. fucker, yeah. like yeah, yeah it's just, you're a criminal and I taught you a lesson, you know that kind of thing, um, and yeah, it's such a it's such a showing of his personality just in that one one five second sequence of just him against that guy, it's it's. Yeah. An amazing amount of And that's of the opening. And yeah, so between that opening where you get to see him in action already, and one of my favorite touches of that sequence is that it spends a lot of time with him crossing the street and then doing the thing and just kind of ignoring all the people in the background. Because this is happening in a public street with tons of people yeah, watching. Tons. There's, and there's he, people everywhere. He doesn't try to reassure any of the people. <laughs> he, like, walks away, doesn't and he? Instead, he's, like, instead of, instead of like, taking care of this crime scene, yeah. he's, he's instead, he's going to go mess with the, with the perp. He's going to just go, go fuck with him. Uh, and that's what he's going to do, which is just, like very indicative of his character throughout the rest of the movie. And then following that, we kind of get, again, an implied history of of this kind of behavior that he has mm-hmm. when everyone's yeah. talking about him. And uh, I think they... What is, what's the question that the mayor asks him about? Like, apparently he shot, like, a rapist in the street or something like that? I actually like have the quote. Oh, what's uh, the quote? And he goes... He basically says, because it's the intent to rape, because he's he hasn't raped the girl. Oh, yeah. It's, he's he was, running after yeah, her. Yeah, so the mayor asks, how did you know that he was going to rape like how her, did though? you how did you come to the conclusion that it was intentful rape? And he says, when a na- when a naked man is running after a woman with a butcher knife and a heart on, I figure he isn't collecting for the Red Cross, <laughs> which is just like it's like you almost understand him, but at the same time you're like you can't do justice like that. But I mean, you're right. I yeah. mean, the dude's got a butcher knife. He's Got his dick out. I mean, <laughs> probably not intending to do good things with it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's what the mayor says, too. The mayor's kind of like, He yeah, says good point. Yeah, he's kind of got a point. He's and then the scene ends. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. He's just like, uh, oh, I, I can't really rebuttal that. I, okay, yeah, I guess I guess so. It, it's it's great. It really shows his, his character, and not only his character, but just kind of how he, his mind works uh, towards policing. Yeah. Um, he really does think, I really do feel like he feels in a sense that he is the law a little bit because he views himself that he has that position. So he's just kind of like, you know, I can take matters into my own hands if I think it's for the greater good. Yeah, um, because he thinks a lot of time the laws don't have the greater good in mind yeah. and that people are going to get off on technicalities and they're going right. to do this. and that's Which kind of happens later on, but yeah. but to the fault of him, which is kind of interesting, too. Yeah, which is also also interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that, that brings us into the, the part where Scorpio gets in here, which I guess is actually the real opening. I always think of the Technically, scene, yeah. Yeah, he because he shoots the girl in the pool. He shoots the girl in the pool, which, yeah. is, I, which is the the real opening. And can I say, uh, just to throw it in there, uh, practical blood effects and oh bullet effects just give such a, a visceral feel to, to the violence. It's like like when you see her swimming and then all of a sudden you just see her the back the blows red out. Blow, yeah. You're like, it just, it gives you so much more than 
you know, you, you just clearly do see a digital blood splatter, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you all, when all these movies have these practical blood effects with the shooting and like the blood coming out of them and into the wall and stuff, it's just, it really makes you feel it. Yeah. And when you also consider that this is, this is the early Mm seventies, uh, this, I, I I, I believe this is pretty shocking for the time. Some of the actual gun violence in this and especially the tone of it, which is the big thing is that he's clearly a cop. He's clearly brutally maiming and murdering people. And you're kind of like, Whoa. And then they give you Scorpio who is just a total, cartoon yes. in a good way animated but he is, as hell but he is oh, yeah. just like like you couldn't find a more cartoon villain uh it, he's like a total hippie he has like a like a like a peace the messed sign up belt peace sign, though. Yeah, it's like it. disjointed and 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 fucked up looking like yeah kind of to show i think I, he's 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 like uh he's he's a rapist he's a yeah. murderer uh he's a, a a child kidnapper yep he, he doesn't care no like Anything that you could possibly do terribly, especially in the seventies, he's doing it. Yeah, and he, uh, every calculation and has like no with like a Joker like madness to it, right? Dude, Which is I was like... literally going to say it's awesome that you said that because I was going to say this is like a Batman and Robin. They really, to me, when I was watching that, like if I had to give a superhero analogy, like I saw Batman and Robin in this, or, or sorry, not Batman and Robin, I'm sorry, Batman, <laughs> Batman and, and Joker. Joker, yeah, Batman and Robin. Uh, Batman and Joker in this because he's just got such an unhinged performance. And then there's there's oh, it's so crazy. Uh, Harry who's like, you know, he's very he's dark brute and force. he's brute, yeah. brute force, but he's gonna get the job done even if it's against the actual justice system. Like it was, it was very Batman and Joker, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, I actually read that. Uh, I guess the the guy who who plays him, Andrew Robinson, is his name. Uh, his performance got so into people's heads that he got death threats. Really? That yeah, people. That's incredible. Yeah, people were so like up in arms about he was amazing about his performance yeah. and about and I'm not sure if it was like people were just convinced that he was like actually a madman, uh, but <laughs> he does it well. I will say that. Either way, it's an incredible performance. Like the um, when 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 uh, they're in the football the football field scene yeah. and he's pressing on his leg and actually it's about to happen to that yeah. and his face they go to his face and he's got the the like he's squished in like his face you can yeah. just feel the emotion off this guy he's insane oh and he's, he's totally like unhinged. I have rights yeah, and have Harry's rights. like fuck your rights yeah that's oh, basically how it goes yeah essentially. <laughs> And yeah, once once Scorpio kind of gets into the picture, it really becomes a bit of a cat and mouse between Dirty Harry mm-hmm. uh, with a recently assigned uh, uh, Mexican partner. Yeah. Uh, as they kind of pursue Scorpio, as he's just doing all kinds of just random absurd violence throughout yeah. San Francisco, and a couple- to no real gain either. Yeah, not that's really- the craziest thing about him is that like. There's never a moment where it explains. It's like why I'm doing this. He's just th- a psychopath. Yeah, and I think I think there's a couple times where he asks for like ransom money, but yeah, it, it's, I feel it, it's more just a safety thing. Yeah, it, it's never really clear how he plans to actually use it. get it or or, or, yeah. or even use it. Yeah, yeah. there there is a sequence where I think Harry tries to get him the money at one point, but it, and it kind of doesn't work because he goes from phone call to phone call. Yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah, but there's a couple great. Sequences. Well, that's when it leads to when Harry gets beat. Yes, uh, but there's a couple great sequences in here where they're kind of going, where Harry is pursuing Scorpio, and uh, one of the best ones has got to be the one where they're on the rooftop 
and uh, it starts out where Harry's kind of looking through the binoculars. Yeah. And he's he's kind of looking around, seeing if he could... Find, I think they're answering some sort of call that, that they, they found a guy with, like, the same briefcase that the sniper yeah. might be in or something. Yeah. So he's looking around, and there's a total, like, two-minute digression in this scene yeah. where he just starts looking at a naked woman in her window. Yeah. And, and he was just... And, the, and there's... About to have, like, a lesbian orgy, yeah, basically. Yeah, there's, like, hippie sex party going on in yeah. one of the things, and he's just like, oh, man, I love me some of this. He even... Doesn't he say... I didn't know the lines. Maybe if you... No, I didn't, I didn't write the lines. He down says Little Harry in some way. Oh, does he? He <laughs> says something, but I couldn't, I couldn't hear what he says prior, but he says something like, something, something, Little Harry. Oh and I knew God. that he just made a dick joke, and I was like... You're, that's amazing. Holy hell. Yeah. So he's he's totally just like like unabashedly just kind of going with what feels instinctually right for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. which the movie kind of goes to show you is both, you know, right for him but also kind of brutal and wrong in its own way. Yeah. And, and also ca- messes with the system because there's that scene where because of the football thing that with when he kind of tortures him in a way to yeah. try to get the girls information yeah um that leads him to not being able to use all the evidence that he's found against this guy in court because he didn't get a warrant he he hurt the guy when he's not supposed to be doing that uh so even though they know he's a total psychopath they can't do anything because yeah they got the he got the confession out of him by torturing him too and so so the confession is inadmissible exactly yeah so so all of it's inadmissible yeah and and what's interesting is that the Here's the thing about this, because the script frames this as a bad thing, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a bad thing because of Harry. It's just like yeah. because the system is kind of bureaucratic and like even though they know this thing, they're totally inept at handling it. Uh, and yeah. yeah, Harry's maybe a little bit in the wrong, but the system is ultimately worse than Harry and Harry's got to get the job done. That's kind of way that the way that the screen, yeah, the screenplay <laughs> reads. And, def- there's definitely a debate there, you know. Well, and, and that was where kind of some of the reactions to uh, the movie that were negative came from was that mm-hmm. they were they were thinking that this is kind of a bit of like a, a fascist police fantasy where it was okay where that where some people kind of read it that way where the um, cops themselves know better and they should put the law into their own hands at some times yeah that, and, and how it opens with like here's all the police lives lost yeah, which it and sets that, a tone too just yeah. like and I don't know if you noticed but as the list goes on, the the years they just get more and consecutive. So it's just like right. each year more cops die, and it got more and more violent. Yeah, so on, the, which I thought was interesting. they think that the way that the screenplay frames it that it's it's very like in favor of this kind of police state action where or vigilante justice. Yeah, uh, in, in a way that's saying that obviously these these laws and these hippies are the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah, I, I mean, it's not a coincidence that they made uh, him have a peace sign for yeah, his no, belt buckle. No, and they, and, even, they have a close-up on it well, and dude, everything. He, he, like, quotes the Constitution and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, in the movie. And yeah. yeah, so it's just, like, the, like it's, it's very clearly that's what it was it was going for. And the uh, it was actually a reason that they couldn't find an actor for this movie for a while. Mm-hmm. They actually tried to get uh, Paul Newman and someone else uh, to do the lead character, and they actually turned it down, quoting its politics as a reason they wouldn't do it oh, at the time. Okay. Uh, and Eastwood was just like, send it my way, I'll, I'll do it, because uh, yeah. he just got off doing the Sergio Leone stuff, so I think he was just looking for badass violence at the time. Yeah. Uh, either yeah. way, what's most interesting to me about this movie is the way that Don Siegel directs it, because there's something about the images in this story that kind of contradict some of the screenplay's elements where it's saying, yes, Harry is maybe 
necessary and maybe even uh, doing the right thing in some of these cases in, in a larger, broader sense. Yeah. But at the same time, he, him and Scorpio are kind of two sides of a similar coin when you look at it. That he is doing, uh, he's coming at it from a place of also these kind of dark impulses. Mm-hmm. That he... I think there's that part where he says that how do you they ask him how do you know Scorpio's going to strike again like right. when we put him back out there and he yeah. was just like because he loves it because he loves doing this. Yeah. And he stops he gets off by it. He I, stops, I think is how they say it. Too. Yeah, but the way that Eastwood says it, he stops just short of being like I know from experience. Oh, okay. Is the implication that I got from it that he's he almost he's found a way to kind of do what Scorpio wants to do in a legal in a, way and 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 in his mind also a helpful way. In, a, in a righteous Something way right a righteous he's, positive he, he, way. he's a monster who's going to take down the worst monsters is kind of the idea of right. how I read the way that Siegel it's, films this because the movie gets very seedy very dark literally sometimes when there's just like this very Tay style blackness yeah where you just see him very slowly like running into this total like abyss but it's just a san francisco street so you're just like but that's the way he chooses to film it is you you get kind of like this nightmare reality that's the thing i've always associated san francisco with like not that with with not dirty with not i I, just very a very clean pretty city and this one really the the brightness and the bridge yeah made it just dirty and like (laughs) and and uh it was very, very, they made San Francisco gritty somehow. And it was, it was very cool to see. Cause you don't see that a lot. I don't think in movies anyway, they don't paint San Francisco as that. Usually, <laughs> usually it's LA or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, what was really interesting is that obviously the the biggest pan of the movie came from, uh, one of the best film critics of all time, Pauline Kael, where she talked about that. It was just like fascist propaganda at the time but what was interesting about her review is she did concede that the reason she thinks that this works is because of the direction that it's so inherently exciting in the action and i think specifically of after that peeping tom scene where he does uh there's the shootout with the big neon lights right behind him and it's totally dark and the way that he cuts the shooting and how viscerally impactful um the gunfight actually is in itself. It's so thrilling in this like very like primal way. You're just like, Oh, like the way, because here's the thing. I watched this movie and I can be like, Oh, this is clearly like in, especially in the script that there's this, there's this stuff where it's like, this is totally fetishizing like police force. Yeah. Is the idea, the, the violence of it. But even though my head knows that I'm still in there being like, yeah, Get him. Yeah. Get that vengeance. Get him. You understand because I think what they do is they match up one extreme with the other and it's essentially like, well, what are we going to do about this fucking psychopath? Like this guy is, this guy is not a normal criminal. This guy has gone to the furthest deep end uh, that's possible. Oh, absolutely. So maybe we need a dirty Harry for that. And that that strikes a response in your head where you're like, yeah, get him. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then when the action comes in and he's shooting at him, you're like, yeah, shoot him. I feel like watching this movie makes me just feel like an all American conservative. Damn it. (laughs) And I'm not that person. Get him, Harry. Get him. Like I just, I get so into freedom when I watch this film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's almost it's in that way. It, it almost has like a dreamlike quality to it, where you're watching it and you 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 just get swept up in it, where you're like, I really need to see, I really need to see Harry take this guy out, yeah. on screen viciously. Yeah. Which I kind of think like, which is why the ending works so well, because you think it's gonna turn into that that kind of 
oh, here it is, the psychological game where someone has a gun to a kid's head or somebody's head and then they got to choose, like, can we get the gun down? Can we, you know, step to them so we can get the gun away? Can, what, what is he going to do? Fuck that. I'm just going to shoot the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't... He, Dirty Harry's had enough. He, he's done with this guy and he just goes, boom, risks what he has to risk and oh, yeah. sure he could have shot a 10-year-old, but... Damn it, he didn't. Because <laughs> oh, dirty and that, hairy. dude, that climax is is insane. Yeah. Uh, that starts out with with the the bus the bus uh, oh, chase God. sequence where he jumps on top of the bus when he smacks uh, that child. I I felt that like I was yeah. like I think he might have actually smacked that child. <laughs> like, I just like maybe the kid was like, you know what? I'm feeling method today. Yeah, I'm gonna Hit go me. for it. Yeah, like, you really give it to me, man. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's one incredible shot, um, where Harry's on top of the bus. So he's on top of the bus and he's, he's finally kind of like crawling over the top or he's getting onto mm-hmm. the windshield and he's trying to point his gun upside down, like into the driver's seat. And I'm like, first yeah. of all, you're going to shoot him while he's driving the bus full of children. Yeah, like, are you for real? Yeah. Like what, <laughs> what is your plan here? Like, yeah, <laughs> I think he's just thinking this point and then we'll figure it out after. But again, I think that that's why this works because again, he's on like this primitive level of I'm just going to get him. By the end? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And you can tell because I mean, he's jumping off of bridges (laughs) to get to this dude. Like he's no longer like just trying to sneak up to him. No. Play the phone call game. I'm fucking done. I'm jumping off a bridge. I'm getting on this bus and I'm taking this guy out. Well, either way, when he's leaning over, there's this great framing that Siegel does where his gun is pointing and he's trying to like point it to shoot at uh, Scorpio who's driving the bus and Scorpio pulls his gun out to point at him and they're pointing at each other and the guns are kind of like in the wind, blocking the windshield uh, and he's kind of swerving and swerving and then as he swerves, they move their guns and a car appears right in the way of the bus where their guns just were, oh, where the danger right. was. And then he swerves out of the way. Uh, yeah. he cra- I believe he crashes the bus, right, eventually? Yeah, he crashes into a fence uh, through it, which the stuntman is still on the bus and everything. Yeah. That sequence is, is fantastic stunt-wise. I really enjoyed it. And yeah. then I'm pretty sure he crashes because the kids, all the kids get out eventually, or they don't even show the kids. I'm not sure, but I do know that he, I'm pretty sure, crashes the bus because, oh, no, I was going to say that one of the kids is from the bus, but he's actually just fishing. Just yeah. a kid trying to have a good time. That's yeah, all, no, that's all he was no doing. I, I noted this in particular because I know Scorpio runs off the bus. And what was funniest that I noted was that Harry doesn't even check on the kids. He yeah, doesn't not even at all. check. Doesn't give a yeah, flying ass. Like all these kids were just like, could have been murdered on the bus because yeah. he doesn't even check to see if any of them are okay after the bus crashes. Yeah. He just, he's got a one track mind and it is blow this dude up. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he, so they have this chase through the, through the thing and they eventually, uh, through like, is it some sort of like coal, coal mining yeah, it thing seems, or something like it's, that? It's ironic. It seems like a quarry, which is ironic because yeah. it, that shows up in raw deal too. But, uh, yeah. but and yeah, then, I think it's like a quarry oil company kind of thing. I don't yeah. Know. Well, either way they get to the final showdown where, yeah, the Scorpio takes the kid hostage and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll kill the kid. I'll kill the kid. Like put the gun down. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Harry, like what is Harry going to do here? Just shoots. <laughs> exactly. Could, could have totally shot the kid, but he's like, whatever. Yeah, it was. It, it's worth it. It's worth the risk. Uh, and then he gets to repeat his great, uh, his great line. line. Yeah. Which is great because this time he totally knows he's got a bullet in the chamber. Oh, he knows he's got the bullet he in the chamber. He knows and, damn and he, well And he wants the dude to reach for the gun. And he. this is the only way that this was going to end. Because he, and, and, yeah, and that's the thing. He, he waits because I think that he still wanted, I don't know, because I, 
I found that odd because I thought he might have been at the point where he was like, I'm just done. I'm shooting this dude. But he does wait. He does wait for him to, to bring out his gun and so he can, I guess, call it self-defense even though he was really rooting for it. Yeah. But um, I did find that. Uh, Here's the thing. Of, I don't think he would have waited. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 okay. I, I think I think at I that point that. he was so invested in it that he was going to do it regardless. Regardless, yeah. But yeah. he was he was still looking for like for that moment. Yeah, yeah. Because he does he does have like he does wait a little. He does bit. have some sort of codes. But I feel like but they're pretty. I feel like vague. if the guy was just like no 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 he'd be like I'm still fucking done <laughs> and yeah. just pop him. Yeah, and then obviously they get to the iconic ending where he throws the badge and he's like, I've had it with this this bureaucratic mm-hmm. system of the police that can't get shit done. Yeah, which gotta... I have to say, I love how they just kind of wrap it up there because yeah, it's really, that's the story. Yeah, you know? and, and apparently Eastwood didn't like that ending. Really? Originally. He wanted, he wanted the more long-winded, uh, like, wrap it all up with every character. No, 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 he, th- he just thought that the ending actually betrayed the character because he oh, thought he okay. thought that it that he was quitting. And apparently Don Siegel had to like talk to him for weeks to be like, no, you're not quitting. You are just saying the police are worthless. Okay. You're, you're to to be honest. I did read it as, uh, he was quitting. Well, I mean, although he has four other movies, so I probably should have assumed that. He is, he is quitting the police force, but he, but, uh, Eastwood read that as like a failure of character. Oh, and Siegel said, "No, no, no. That's that's a positive to your character because what your character your character is is saying, he sees corruption in the force. And yeah, he wants, yeah, and corruption just being though, laws. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> that's what's so like uh, I get crossed with this movie yeah. because like I'm so entertained and I almost <laughs> understand where they're coming from because when it comes to that kind of extreme, maybe we do need another savage to beat a savage, you know, much like the hills, hills have, have eyes, eyes yeah. you know, like become the savage to beat the savage. But it's it, it's just such a gray area that you're like, oh, man, we got to have some laws. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can't just be like the Wild West. <laughs> it's not going to work out, I don't think. So now's the part of the show where we enter the reductive rating round where right. you just heard us talk about a movie, uh, in this case, Dirty Harry in all its complexity, all its nuance. And now we're going to reduce all of those words into a rating between one and five. That's right. So for me, Dirty Harry's a pretty easy four. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah, right there with you. So that's it for Dirty Harry. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about John Irvin's Raw Deal starring... Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, yeah. a, a title which and I no still <laughs> don't really understand, uh, nope. but uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll find the answers yeah. along the way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's dive into that. This must be what they mean by poetic justice. Nobody gives Schwarzenegger a raw deal. What's the P stand for? Pussy. <laughs> I forgot about that one. You definitely have to tell that one. So what's, his, what's his name? It's, it's John P. something. Or Joey jo- Joseph P. It's like it's like Joey P. Liebsman or something, and the cop's like, what does the P stand for? And he just looks at him straight face, pussy. pussy. 
Because I'm pretty sure it's right after he he gets mugged and they're like, he wants to look like he's just like got mugged. Yeah. Like he, that's what he wants it to look like. So he's like, yeah, I'm a pussy. <laughs> yeah. I got mugged. I got yeah. mugged. We actually are recording this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll splice this in if it works. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. I think we just fixed the deficit. <laughs> Another you know what I, I like doing. about the bedrooms? They almost always have a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, this, this whole review <laughs> is gonna be quotes from the movie. <laughs> this whole thing is gonna be quotes from the film. Jeez. Magic or magnets? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he just flips the table. <laughs> It also looks like mid flip the table. Yeah. It looks like he um, forgets that he was supposed to flip the table. So he kind of goes like magnet or magic. And I'm like, kind of like, oh yeah, here's my cue. It's fantastic. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know what? We're using all whatever minutes mm. we just used. Here's the intro. Welcome yeah. to Raw Deal, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. We're, we're in the Holy show. Shit. All right. We're in the yeah, show. Yeah, we're, we're talking raw deal, if you guys couldn't tell. <laughs> so, raw deal tells the story of holy shit, his actual name is Mark Kaminsky. I didn't even know that. The, and I've watched the movie, the movie twice. Yeah. Mark Kaminsky? That's his name. <laughs> He's definitely a Mark. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, a Mark Kaminsky. Oh, and his. his oh. oh, yeah. So, for those of you unfamiliar with raw deal, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a guy named Mark Kaminsky, who is a former FBI agent who was kicked out of the Bureau for uh, what they deemed rough treatment of a suspect, Dirty Harry style. That's right, yep. Uh, do you know what, they, I'm pretty sure they're specific mm-hmm. in what he does, too. Yeah, they, they said that he brought back a witness in with, like, tons of broken bones or something like that. Right, That he broke, right. like, half the bones in his body. Uh, and the, He justifies uh, it. Yeah, he justifies it. I, I wrote that bit down. He I justifies it Because he was like... Uh, just in case you didn't know, uh, they molested, murdered, and mutilated her. Oh, yeah, but and the best part yeah. is his delivery of it, because the line is a very serious line. It's a very, like, like I'm justifying what I did to this person because uh, he was such a piece of tr- uh, shit to this, to this girl. And the way that he says it, he's like, but he murdered, manip- manipulated, and molested her. Like, it's like, like a robot is saying yeah. the lines, and they're so important. Yeah. In the sense of, of how violent they are, it's it's hilarious. Yeah, uh, the funniest thing about the whole thing is that you don't really understand what anyone's talking about when they talk about him as this, like, overly violent man. Because he doesn't come off as that at all. No, no. Personality-wise. Yeah, when you first see him, he's just the, the sheriff of this small town. Uh, very normal American sheriff with like this really deep foreign accent. Yeah. Uh, just all American. Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got the jeans and the denim jacket and the red plaid. Oh yeah. And he's chasing down just some country bumpkin criminal who's like pretending to be a police cop, officer. Which or is just something. great to have like the opening mm-hmm. be this Arnold Schwarzenegger chasing a cop in yeah. pursuit of a policeman. It's just a such a fun opening. But I think it's also <coughs> odd that they do such a change in tone. Because the opening of the film, 
is like super gritty, like witness this, yeah. boom, and then they shoot the dude's head like right into the mirror or whatever, oh, and then yeah. they just cut to like Arnold in a lumberjack <laughs> thing, just going like, it, it's yeah. raw deal. Yeah. Dun, dun, da, da, dun, da. Oh yeah, there's like some like country song playing, and he's like yeah. driving around in a jeep, and it's like Dukes of Hazard for like <laughs> yeah, a minute. For sure, it's very Dukes of Hazard. It's like it goes from this. It's like this film mixed like the '70s gritty cop action. With like the campiness of of I don't know what you what you bring it from, but it, it's got such say, a mix, and it's not. I, I would say like those like country law television shows, yeah. like that kind of stuff. And it's hard to tell throughout mm-hmm. the film if it's intentional or unintentional, because certain moments I'm like that was intentional, and then other moments I'm so confused. I'm just like, were you going for that? I'm not sure. Like it's yeah, it's so bizarre to watch. Uh, the thing I I noted about that that introduction that you mentioned because yeah it is I- incredibly brutal the yeah. uh, the shootout that the movie opens on and the way that Irvin shoots it is that the gun is the most prominent thing in all of those frames when he's like they're getting out of the car and they're like struggling to fit the entirety of the gun into the widescreen yeah. uh, image that they have there where like the sniper is like goes from the right side all the way to the left side and then boom shoots someone right there. Yep. Um and yeah, again the the practical b- blood effects uh 15 years after Dirty Harry have gotten a little bit more gratuitous oh, and some of those shots Oh my god, they uh, just have the blood dripping. Yeah, like with and Dirty Harry it's more people, like a, yeah. like an a, an outburst and you see some red or whatever, but with this one they they've got like the 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 paints or or the blood rather uh, just spilling onto the wall and then like trip dribbling down like oh and, and dirty harry was still when they were doing like the the really bright red just like yeah. as an effect and yep. the thing about dirty harry is that doesn't make it less visceral it's more of just like uh the tone of dirty harry and the and the the editing is doing a lot of the work on how graphic that movie feels yeah whereas here they are. They have like giant blood packs, and I'm curious if they just maybe had a bigger budget for this, or I don't know what happened. Yeah, and it's and it's because every single person that gets shot in this has that practical yeah. kind of. Uh, and th- that's maybe just they what don't 15 years of it. movie tech. Can yeah, do too, they just got so. better at at that kind of. Uh, yeah, and more willing effects. to show that kind of stuff. Yeah, because they're uh, very willing in this movie. It's, yes, they just go some of the violence out. in this is absolutely and it, uh, insane. Yeah, and it's just so odd because the violence is is like you said insane, and then they have mm-hmm. such comedic and light toned moments. Well, do you know where this comes from? This comes from uh, the what we're gonna call the. Plesiotetsky genre, which I don't okay. know if I said that correctly, but that is the Italian crime and mafia movie genre, which um, was much more brutal, um, mm. much more uh, obviously in the vein of exploitation, yeah. uh, less a, of, of a care about tone as something like Dirty Harry. But they were very inspired by Dirty Harry. Like they watched movies like <laughs> Dirty Harry and Death Wish, and they were like, we really like the, the idea of these movies. Yeah, and I guess they these Plesiotetsky movies came about when Italy had like a crime wave. Apparently, it was just like insane with mafia violence and with all kinds of violence, and uh, it was all brutal. So they they kind of took what they liked about Dirty Harry, which was all of the crazy violence. Yeah, and then they made adaptations of the violence they were seeing in their own country, and things kind of got lost in translation, okay. where they were just getting more brutal and more brutal, but then. A lot of time they weren't hiring 
actors as trained as well as Clint Eastwood. Right. So you didn't, when you got to the dialogue scenes, you weren't doing at, you know, they, they weren't doing as serious of character pieces as something like Dirty Harry. Right, right. Uh, and from what I understand, Raw Deal seems very much inspired by those movies, which is where so, you get a kind of thing where you see that the Italians took Dirty Harry and made something crazier and wilder, and then now the Americans are taking from the Italians and making something even crazier and wilder. Okay. And then putting in a performance from Arnold Schwarzenegger, gonna, which is just the the cherry on top. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna actually kinda ask, um, do you think that that was intentional, basically? Do you think that they got Arnold because they had to have known that this guy was not going to be the most charismatic leading man when it comes to uh, the way that he delivers lines, the way that he... Even the, even the way that he walks. The way that he walks. He's the <laughs> stiffest man I've ever seen in my life. Even when he's doing something, like, super cool, like he's that scene where he's on the motorcycle, and he's... I think it's the scene where he fakes his own death, where he blows up the oil company or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even every single thing he's he gets on the motorcycle like a robot being directed from a remote control he goes he turns like all stiff shoots the thing like a stiff robot and then drives away but still somehow with the direction and the tone of the movie it's like comes off as badass it's just amazing because i don't think anyone was prepared for what his physique looked like on camera yeah and and i I think everyone who came into these movies like knew how to film them generally Mm. And then they didn't adjust how they were filming it for the body of the person who was starring in it. Like, at all. Uh, Like, when he starts to... uh, When it comes to the point... uh, Well, essentially what happens in the film is that he has to go undercover. uh, Holy shit. Which, by the way, if you're like, hmm, we need to covertly infiltrate the mafia uh, (laughs) and not bring any attention to ourselves while we do it, the first person you go to is the biggest man on the planet who can't speak English. No. Like... (laughs) Has no has the worst American accent you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Like he's not even trying. That's what's beauty the the beauty of it too. It's like oh, he, he's not trying to do an American accent yeah, at no. all. And no. it does, but the character is American, yeah. Yeah. right? Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. I tried to like justify it in some way. I'm like, well, maybe I don't know. He moved when he was five, and his mom talked to him that way, and that's how he's grown. I don't know. It was just craziness. I couldn't believe that uh, they. And they pull it off too, which is amazing yeah. to me. Somehow the they, tone they works. sell it as best as they can for sure. Which yeah. is and it's where a lot of but it's also where the charm of the movie comes from, where yeah. you're you're clearly watching someone who doesn't belong in this role. This role was written for a for an Eastwood or for a like a John Wayne type, uh, Charles Bronson, someone like that, someone who has that kind of like American grittiness, but also especially someone like Eastwood, someone who has charm. Like when he yeah. smirks in Dirty Harry, even when he's like you just watched him like brutally gun someone yeah. down and you're like, wow, that guy kind of sucks. And then he puts on a smirk and you're like, oh, he's kind of cool. Like though. Him. Like, yeah. why do I like him? Yeah. 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 Like th- sure. this is, this is the kind of character they're trying to get in this movie, <laughs> right. but Arnold is doing it. And you're like, he can't say a charming one liner because he has no control of the tone of his voice. He just yeah, says none. things. He, at, just, he, he spits them out like a robot. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing, man. The, the robot was really just that word kept popping in. Cause every single time, even when he's, uh, you can almost he hear them off camera where they're just like all right we got it yeah for real i feel like there's an inner he's got something in his inner ear and it's just like okay now look slightly up before you walk up the stairs and then okay now walk and, up and, and then right, open your left, eyes right left, <laughs> turn to the right open the elevator like it's just like every single thing seems like he's calculating every single move that he does in every scene and it's just oh yeah it's incredible like 
at the first time I watched it, I it worked for me, but it didn't work for me as much as it did the second time because I don't think I I I don't know I just didn't it didn't. Uh, no, I, I definitely felt that too because I, yeah. I I think when I got into the, when I like d- when we decided we were gonna pair this with Dirty Harry, yeah, I just saw that it was a a guy who had been kicked out of the FBI for being a kind of like brutal person of the law, right? And I was just like, oh, okay, so that just makes sense. Like I assume, but here's the thing: you don't really see that in him no, until the last twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, uh, and, and then and, it goes all out. Like and, they don't even hold they no holds barred. So, like so that, that's the thing. When I watched this movie, I sat down and I was like, okay, so I'm gonna watch a guy who's kind of got his his do it his own way, kick ass. I'm gonna like fuck the laws. I'm just gonna take down the bad guys. Yeah, but it's funny because he doesn't seem to play that character at all, and it's almost like he's putting on a facade the entire time because in the at the very beginning he's the nice small town sheriff where he's like uh, and he's trying to live a normal life and he goes home to his wife and he's like hello honey what's for dinner yeah. uh and she's clearly not okay <laughs> she's <laughs> hammered yeah she's baking cakes yeah. drunk as hell yeah he came home early in the day she's baking a cake sipping whiskey <laughs> yeah. throws the cake in his face which he has that great line <laughs> so um <laughs> You shouldn't drink and bake. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's don't drink and bake. As in, it's like a don't drink and drive line. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and it's, what's funny is that, again, he's the calm person in that situation. Yeah. Like, the, you wouldn't, you would expect him to get, like, angry or get violent or do something, but he doesn't. Yeah. Instead, he, like, puts her to bed, and then he sits down in his chair with his scotch and puts on classical music. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, What? Who is this guy? And then, yeah. he, and then he picks up the phone and they're like, hey, we got a job for you. We want you to like do this. And he's just like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just living a nice life right now. Yeah. Uh, and they were, I'm just an American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to live my free life. Yeah. But it's more I, like Tommy Wiseau there. But. Yeah. I'm, honestly, that's who he a channels a little, a little bit, bit here. A little bit, yeah. Now that, I, now that I've said the voice, it's kind of like, wow, that kind of rang Because like, you can see him actively performing on screen, yes, like that's trying it. really that's hard. That's exactly what it is. You can see him performing. That's yeah. what it, you can see every calculation he has in his brain before he does the act itself. Yeah, because, because you can see him and you can see him, okay, he's like, now in this moment in the scene, I'm supposed to be thinking. And then he puts on a, like, a really exaggerated <laughs> thinking thinking face. I am thinking now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I am, I am suave and, and I am even, smooth. And, and even, then, even when he says a witty one-liner, you're like, there's no way his brain came up with that. You know yeah. he's reading lines. <laughs> yeah, every single time. Nothing comes out. It's amazing to me that something can come out so unnaturally, but it still rings true. Like, it's still like, I, I accept it. I just go like, yeah, like, oh. sure. Even though well, it totally is the worst, some of the worst line delivery I've ever heard in my life. Oh, but, but it's I so just, amazing. I'm so yeah. entertained by it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he has he, a charm that he is like almost unaware of. It's yeah. so, it's so bizarre. Which is, which is even more evident when he finally does decide to go undercover because I, I think, I think the basic <laughs> Who plot. Who am I, Dirty Harry? The basic plot. <laughs> <laughs> which I did not know about that line when we selected this double yeah, feature. So real. it ended up being really funny when I, when we watched it and he literally references Dirty references Harry. Dirty Harry. First of all, He's nothing like Dirty no, Harry. He associates, it's like his character's like, oh, guns? Okay, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Like, I'm American <laughs> and I shoot guns. Dirty uh, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I think, like, his former boss at the FBI, his son gets killed 
by some like corporate stooge or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, okay. Which ends up being a corrupt, like a big emotional part. We'll get to yeah. that. But so he's like, I need someone who can go undercover and who's not part of the FBI because I think the FBI is corrupt. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get, again, the biggest, most un-American man possible <laughs> to infiltrate the Chicago Mafia, yeah, which I don't think is sh- Italian. I'm pretty sure it's l- just American. Yeah. Uh, and when he does that, he decides he's going to play a different character. He's no longer the all-American country sheriff guy. He's now Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to be like a Bond type. He's got yeah. the big suit on, which yeah. looks so funny on him. And, oh, he, and, and he's walking so stiffly, and he's trying to do like the suave. He's got the whiskey. He's got the cigar. And he... He starts like flirting with the girl too at, oh, at, yeah. at the casino, and honestly, watching it, I was like, like watching a monkey try to figure out how to use a tool. Oh, true. Because because like the understanding yeah. is there. He is like, you can see him. He is actively trying to flirt with her, and yeah. he is actively aware that he is it's supposed to be flirting. He is supposed to be the charming, suave yeah. man infiltrating. Yeah. But like, it's so primitive and clumsy oh, and unnatural every line <laughs> every little action that he takes yeah that you're it's it's baffling to watch and you're and like even when he's just standing in a room with other people saying lines you're like what yeah. like what is happening in this scene and everyone else that were acting around him is in a normal version of this movie yeah yeah <laughs> in, in, in a movie where arnold schwarzenegger is not standing in the room like talking like a robot and that's what makes the movie so bizarre is that arnold is in one movie and They're everyone all. else literally everyone else is in an is in a serious crime drama and he is like the only one that's almost making this camp in a way yeah well and and his 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 character doesn't even change from the sheriff to the suave guy he just has the same delivery of it yeah it's it's amazing it really is and the the most crazy part of all of this is that when his character is actually finally revealed because i i actually think the reason this works for me is because i think the whole movie is an excuse for him to be like not himself that he he's never he's always like putting on this phony i'm the sheriff phony i'm a mafia guy yeah all these and i I think the phoniness of his performance actually makes this work for me yeah because oh yeah because it seems like it's not him in any capacity any of this stuff yeah and then when we get to the 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 climax in the last 20 minutes and he just puts on a straight face puts on a leather jacket and just turns into a homicidal maniac that's him yeah. At that point. You and, and it's I've never seen him more natural. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like a natural charismatic actor when even, all of a sudden he's killing and slaughtering everybody. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I know how to do this." Even, <laughs> even when he's doing the most like unnatural of action movements where he's like driving and holding an assault rifle at <laughs> yeah, the same like a time. Yeah, too. Yeah. No, and, no control with yeah, that gun. And, and he's he's driving over bumps. You're like, "How can you see a thing?" And meanwhile, he's <laughs> sniping people with an assault rifle from like miles away. There yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah. up in the air. Like this is not a, a, a long ranged weapon that he's using at all. But he's just pinpointing yeah. every single dude. Yeah, it's like a submachine gun. Like there's yeah. no way. There's and no accuracy. Those no. things are like fifty to fifty. Like it's just like. But what's who crazy knows what you're hitting? Is that that's the most believable part of the movie? <laughs> yeah, like watching that, you're like, wow, this actually makes so much sense now that you're watching yeah. like this part of the movie. Because everything else is when he's trying to be the suave character. It seems like the only thing that he was like, oh well, what do suave people do? Oh, I'll just light up a cigar in every single scene that I'm yeah. in. That seems to be his only attribute. He's like, I put on the suit, I light up the cigar. 
I am a Bond. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, I read that he was actually very happy with this movie only because it was the movie he got to change his wardrobe in the most. <laughs> that he had never worn so many clothes for a movie. Oh my that god! That normally they just give him a leather jacket and they're like, "There you go, you've gotten gun some people down." Ass. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, he's putting on the denim and the plaid, and he's putting on the suit, and yeah. then he's putting on the leather jacket. Oh, for sure. And, and it's it's it almost seems like a callback to the Terminator when oh, he puts on be. the leather jacket and everything. Oh, and the, the scene where he's like cocking and loading the guns and stuff like yeah. that. By the way, I, uh, almost sensual, the scene where he's doing that, where, yeah. he, where he's, like, grabbing There's the bullets. There's a slow saxophone thing going yeah. on, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there or is. like, something, like, it's really slow. I actually put that on my notes where I was like, the, the, why is everything so... Like, there's like some moody guitar solo. Like yeah. in the 80s, that was what this, the kind of music you would play during a sex scene. Right, Absolutely. exactly. But yeah. he's doing it to his guns, baby. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm about to make some love with Yeah, which with is my, why it's the blood. real him. Because you're like, finally, he's like, all right, finally, I got my wife beater. I got my guns. Seems natural. Time to finally unleash the beast, which yeah. is the real version of me. Yeah, exactly. And he just goes all out. That last climactic scene is just... It's, oh, it's, it's a insane. great shootout. It's so good. And it's in such a closed space, too, yeah. which uh, really works because they just start destroying the set. And it's, it's oh, amazing. Oh, there's, there's parts where he, he literally just stops shooting people and is just like <laughs> shooting shooting the bar. Shoots the coats. Yeah. He shoots the, the coats. Coat he section. shoots the bar. And, and they cut to it, too. There's yeah. nobody in frame. There's, there's, no, there's just he's no, not shooting at a person shooting at all. Wall, yeah. Just shooting wall. It just becomes total chaos. Like, like just total yeah. anarchy. Yeah, so it seems like the whole time he's been, like, covering up this person that he is, because obviously that was the person that got kicked out of the bureau. Right, right. <laughs> and then finally he's like, well, now I'm necessary. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. So I'm coming out. We're taking care of business. Yeah. Giving um, you that raw deal. Maybe that's where the title comes from. I don't know. We still haven't even discussed that. It's like, yeah. why is this called raw deal? I don't think there's a deal made in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I tried to look it up, and apparently this movie went, like, it was, at one point it was called Let's Make a Deal, and at another point it was called, like, Triple Identity, because he plays three different people, which actually makes three? more sense. Well, because he plays the sheriff, oh, he plays the okay. undercover guy, and then he has, like, him, then obviously there's him. His Bond character? Like, no, oh, like, like oh, him, his real, okay. like, his, like, violent homicidal maniac self. Gotcha. Uh, which actually that title makes the most sense to me because that's closer to what I actually read the movie as because the I had, three identity the, the first thing? time I watched this movie, I was so obsessed with his performance and I was so captivated by every little gesture and thing yeah. that he said. I missed a lot of the plot points. Actually. Yeah. I, I only watching it the second time. Did I even understand that the guy at the, the story, end who yeah. he dirty Harry's it like literally where he's like, pick up the gun and I'll, and, or I'll shoot or like, right. you know, that it took only on the second watch that I realized that that was the prosecutor who kicked him out of the FBI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's probably an important moment, actually. <laughs> Another thing I love about this is that he spends that first scene with his wife, and then she's never in the movie for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Which which is, again... All what, they do is mention her. They're like, I got back with my wife. Everything's good. Yeah, <laughs> like, which, is, which is like, again, is that true? Because clearly that version of yourself is not you. Yeah. Where you're just... And, and now that you're Especially back... Especially by the, the end, because we've seen him become the animal. And like... Yeah. Now he's just going to go back to his wife, who we think, from an audience perspective, hates him. Yeah. Like, it's like, all of a sudden, everything's just fine, I guess. That's, that's... Yeah, that's like, like, right. like, which version of him is going home as a newly, like, returned to the FBI? Yeah. Like, what is he like in the FBI? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, is that another person that he has there? There's something uh, interesting, too, that kind of correlates with... Uh, uh, the, the the whole justice question of Dirty Harry, which is when, uh, I think his name's actually, 
uh, Harry, the director, uh, the guy that gets shot and uh, can't walk or whatever. Oh, yeah. His yay. name's Harry, I think. Something like that. But uh, he, at the end, when he gets starts to get fed up, he says the line, fuck justice. Yeah. And he, it, it's, it's interesting, just like both of these movies kind of have an undertone of, you know, fuck the system. I'm taking over and I'm doing it myself. You yeah. know what I mean? Vigilante and justice, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just a total vigilante justice. And I just liked that line because it was like, it was just straight up what he was saying you know there wasn't any undertones it was like (laughs) fuck this system i'm fucking done with it yeah i'm going i'm going all out you know yeah and it's really funny that the guy who prosecuted him for being violent is ends up being in bed with all of the guys who with the mafia themselves like directly like he's just hanging out in their hangout for some reason he's such a coward too like it 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 almost feels like his character just was gonna be inevitably led there because he had no backbone. Like when Arn Arnold starts to go up to him, he's just like, he's like crying like a little boy for his oh, mom. Yeah. Like he's just, yeah. I also really liked Arnold's back and forth with the, the mafia dude who didn't trust him. The guy's just like, you haven't won me over yet. Like I, like I think, I think oh, you're yeah. an undercover guy and they keep going back and forth about, uh, all of thing, uh, like where he's like testing him. And Arnold has so many of these one liners on him that are just the <laughs> like dumbest shit. Yeah. But, but the other guy in the room is like, Oh, you got, owned. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so like eighties owns where the guy is like, I for even don't even like telling what? you that it was a good insult. Like, yeah, like he was, he was like, I'm the best there is. And Arnold's like, if you're the best there is, uh, we wouldn't have invented the veal. And I'm like, in what universe is that an actual own that someone feels bad about? Like, yeah, like that. You could have just went, what? But the actual mafia boss is just like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, like, you got you. You got him, Arnie. Yeah. You got him. And one of my favorite moments in the movie is when that guy finally goes down. There's that bit of a, that graveyard scene that they shoot where they come up and they're like, who are we shooting? And they're like, oh, just some police dude or something. It ends up being the guy who hired... Arnold Schwarzenegger to even infiltrate. Oh, like right. Harry, Harry, the guy. Yeah. Harry, yeah. Uh, and they come the up to him. The guy who lost his son. And this is my favorite bit of violence in the movie because as soon as Arnold realizes that they're going to shoot, obviously, his friend, yeah. he's obviously not going to do that. Yeah. So he immediately turns to the left, shoots the mafia guy on his left, yeah. turns to the right, shoots the mafia guy on the right, and the whole time they're both, the two mafia guys are shooting his friend. But what happens is Arnold shoots the mafia dude on the right it cuts to a slow-mo of him getting hit and you can see his one of the like blood packs just like just explode, explode on his yeah. chest and it turns into that slow-mo where it's like losing frames oh, or okay, time yeah. time has kind of stopped and then and then it cuts to his friend Harry who shoots the guy and it cuts back and it's still in slow-mo he's another blood pack <laughs> yeah, explodes yeah. and then it cuts back to Arnold again who shoots him again and it cuts back for a third time where he's getting shot in slow-mo again it's all the same slow-mo shot but it's as if like time has slowed down specifically for this one dude so that he can get shot like 50 like times, 50 times <laughs> in a second I was like that's so brutal yeah and it's just and it's it's, it's almost physically impossible but but the film just kind of forces it on you and makes you oh, feel yeah. that violence. No, there's yeah, there's there's something convincing about like yeah. the the action in this that makes you just kind of forget all the dialogue scenes yeah. for a second. This movie w- allowed <laughs> me to somehow, with all of the logical and fallacies that's in it, or fallacies rather, uh, that are in it, it still helped let me suspend my disbelief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could easily just watch the film and be like, I accept this because I am beyond entertained right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd say it's the same thing also about the 
the the climax about how it's so ridiculous, but you still kind of buy it just in the the, the world of the movie's own weird logic. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's the part where <laughs> yeah, where the where, most bizarre ending. Yeah, because, it really well, is. well, because he he pulls up to the quarry first of all, and the Rolling Stones kick in. The and satisfaction. The satisfaction. Yeah. Yes. Which is just such a. It, it's a joke. so fun. It is. It, it is genuinely a joke on the movie's oh, part, it's though. Like, be. like it's in. He on even it. puts in the cassette. It's yeah. not like it's in the background or whatever. He puts on the song, his character himself. Yeah. And then he's going around, and it's just amazing to hear satisfaction. Yeah. While he's and then gunning a people dude down, falls into one of those pits, rock crushers, and literally gets yeah crushed. the rock crusher. And yeah. Meanwhile, there's just Mick Jagger satisfaction. Like yeah. you just like. What am I watching? No, because because I th- I feel like this is the moment where you get into actual uh, the character's head. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, like I'm I'm feeling it. it is Rolling the first Stones moment you feel true to his character. You feel like he's actually. Yeah, and he, you believe him as a character, and he bursts into the drug den and just like shoots up all the heroin. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, for, <laughs> without even looking, there could have been just some innocent person in there. He yeah, did not the, know. There, he kicks there it. Could open have been a child just, trafficking ring. Exactly. And he, <laughs> he, was he like, just kicks it open. Does not look at all. There's not even a second between him kicking open the door and then the shots going off. And it's yeah, just, brrr, everybody's yeah. dead. And it's the same thing when he goes and and he finally goes in and starts taking down the actual mafia in their building. And they're like, well, hopefully he's not here. And then bam, he's shooting the security cameras (laughs) yeah he's coming up the elevator i don't even know how he actually gets up he just appears in the room like a ghost yeah it's literally like starts shooting everything in sight the walls uh (laughs) not even shooting people as we mentioned earlier uh and then there's the part where he goes up the stairs he doesn't even try to open the door he just kicks kicks the door down and what's amazing is that the first kick he does is like a super powerful kick and it doesn't open the door (laughs) and then the second one's more like like it looked like a take they should not have used yeah and it's it works the door door explodes yeah Yeah. it explodes open but the second kick is like oh i fucked up i'll just go for it again and then it and then it explodes open it's fantastic yeah and then he and then Obviously, in slow motion, guns down the the bad guy. Yeah, the, the corporate, the, the the corporation owner who's running the mafia or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then he dumps a bunch of pills on him to be like, "This is this is." I think this is this movie's attempt at being meaningful. Uh-huh. Or same with the shot in the quarry where there's just like a corpse beside a bunch of money. Yeah. They were just like the system, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like. That's not sure. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sure. In in its own way, like the rest of this movie, I can accept that image. At this point, I'm I'm fine with that. Whatever. Yeah. We got to talk about the climax before we wrap it up, though, because like him, he basically (laughs) is just like he's like. I want you to be my my baby's godfather. Oh, the ending, but, the inspirational ending. But the ending. only way I'm allowing you to do it is if you walk, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like he's almost rude to the guy. He almost, uh, when he mentions his son, it's just, to me, it seems like such a gut punch of a move to get the guy to start oh, walking. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, would you uh, would you would your son be proud of no, you uh, right now? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's just like taunting. Yeah, his him. dead son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dead, would your dead son be proud of you right now? It's, yeah, and, oh my and, god. And after all, like the camp and carnage yeah, that happens, all of a sudden the tone of the movie switches switches like to the born on Fourth of July bit where yes. like Tom Cruise is trying to learn to walk, and you're oh like, my god. yeah, and you're like, in what world is this the ending that you choose? Yeah, uh, and, and then and then it yeah freeze frames. 
fades to black yeah. as if like something meaningful has just happened. It's <laughs> incredible. And the, I got to say the shot that they just have to like kind of like push the audience that this is a meaningful moment is oh, when yeah. they they cut to the nurse and she's crying. Oh, like, yeah. And she's giving a performance of yeah. a lifetime. Like she's literally like, he can walk. Oh, this is God. the most beautiful yeah, like, thing the, I've like, ever seen. It's like Oscar worthy performance. And it's in this scene. And it's oh, it's glorious. It's just so. Good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you'll be happy to know that this movie literally bankrupted a company. Are you uh, serious? <laughs> it did. That's, this movie's a five. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me. I'm just to put on record, but it's a five. Yeah. It's oh a my spiritual God. five. It's a spiritual five. I've, exactly. I, I've had more fun watching this movie than I have a lot of the fives that I've given. So. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, it's a spiritual five. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I guess we should get into the reductive rating. The real round, rating, yeah. Uh, as we do. This one is so close to being a four, and I have a yeah. feeling that on rewatches, when I show this to friends, it's probably going to get there at some point. I think But so for too. me, at the moment, it's a three. Yeah, I, it's the same with me. And the thing is, is that it's like the first time I watched it, it was honestly a... It was an easy three? It was No, it was a, it was a, it was a lower three, honestly. Oh. Because I just didn't get it. I, didn't, I, I got it at points, because yeah. it's so entertaining. But like we said before, when we were kind of focusing too much on his performance and we were just so flabbergasted by it that I couldn't pay attention to other things, it was distracting the first time for me. Yeah. But the second time, I just let loose. Yeah, if you get and into its, its groove, oh, it's... Dude, oh, dude, it's so, so worth it. Yeah. It's so good. And that's where I think, like, it's one of those movies that I think I'm just going to get more from it the more I watch it. Yeah. And it might turn into a four for me, too. I'm, I'm not 100%, but it's, it's a high three. I will say that. It's a strong three. <laughs> All right. Well, that was raw deal uh, <laughs> and a hell of a film it is holy shit uh <laughs> that's gonna be it for today's show uh dirty harry and raw deal were the films today thanks to everyone uh listening out there we haven't totally decided exactly what we're going to be doing next week we think we're going to be having our first guest on yeah um, which is cool very exciting yeah and we might already be breaking our first rule about 20th century movies yep uh, but it's a goodie because yeah we were going to try to stay away from the 2000s as much as we can it's too good it's too, and, and the opportunity i mean we're going to be able to watch this yeah 30, it just so happens that 70. the guest suggested this movie and our local art theater happens to be doing for its 15th anniversary uh, a 35 millimeter screening of both films, which are the Kill Bill films. So we're oh, going to be doing yeah. Kill Bill so Volume exciting. One, uh, and we're going to be pairing it with one of the uh, considered best women in prison films, uh, Female Prisoner Number 701, Scorpion, which is uh, a foreign film too, right? Yes, from Japan, I believe. Japan. Very um, cool. So uh, if you guys want to watch those, that's hopefully what we're going to be doing two weeks time. We'll probably update you guys online yeah. uh, when we officially confirm it. Um, but that's what we're looking to do. And that's going to be a pretty wild time. I've never seen Female Prisoner. Yeah, no, uh, I, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm, well, we're about to watch it. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, we're going to watch it right <laughs> after we finish this recording today. Yeah. Anyway, thanks uh, again so much for, for listening. Um, for those of you who haven't subscribed on patreon yet please do yeah please <laughs> please do uh it Join really helps adventure. us out here on the show uh and again uh you're gonna get two bonus episodes a month when we switch from bi-monthly to weekly shows this coming march which is uh only three episodes away for us uh since we're only a bi-monthly show at the moment creeping up 
yeah, as always, you guys can find us uh, on Twitter at at Pod, and you can find me personally at at the Josh L. And and I'm at Jamie Miller Acas, and it's A C A S all lower caps or, or lower letters, whatever. Lowercase. <laughs> Lowercase. We got there. Got a little too much there. whiskey, I think. <laughs> uh, we are also now officially on iTunes. For those of you who get your podcast there, last week when we did the show, we weren't totally sure we were there, but we are officially on iTunes now. So you, yeah. if you guys want to subscribe there, you can find us there. And also, if you can, to help us out, give us that good old five-star rating. That'd help us great. climb the ranks. And Maybe even write one. Yeah, like even, to read them yeah, on the even a review. Writing a review would be amazing because yeah. that's how we're going to climb the ranks over there. And good we will or, read them, too. Yeah, good or bad, uh, we're going to read those <laughs> reviews on the show. And... Yeah, thanks so much, and uh, especially we're going to give a double shout-out since he's number one. Yeah. But Kai, or K Pergnon, for being the first patron, you get the double shout-out. Yeah, thank uh, you so much, man. That's a, incredible. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time talking, hopefully, Kill Bill and Female Prisoner, number 701, Scorpion. I've Keep- never seen anything like this, I'm sure, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.